0: Greetings and the Supreme Love, that alone is all that is. I'm Commander Lady Athena, and you're listening to the Voice of the Ashtar Command, Cosmic Pep Talks for Closet Christ. This evening, our seminar topic is Living on Purpose as Extending Love. So let's begin with taking a deep breath and asking to be filled, surrounded, and protected by the divine light and love of God. We ask that any energies, any negativity, anything we don't have to carry from this point on, that it could be released through grace. And let's chant the sacred name of God, Hugh, three times. Deep breath. You. Yeah. going to use the exercise of breathing in God and breathing out love, and this time we're going to focus upon our heart, and we're going to see in the center of our heart a beautiful golden flame that's tinged with divine love in the form of pink, we're going to see a golden pink flame in the center of our heart as we breathe in God and breathe out love. You ready? Breathe in God. Breathe out love. Breathe in God. Breathe out love. Breathe in, God. Breathe out, love. And look at your heart. See that lovely flame of golden pink light. Let's breathe in, God, and breathe out, love three more times. And this time, keep your attention on the flame And see it increase in its size. And see if perhaps it doesn't take over your whole aura. Each time you breathe out love, see it increase in its size. Ready? Breathe in God. Breathe out love. Breathe in God. Breathe out love. Breathe in God. Breathe out love. Now visualize in your mind's eye your form standing in front of you about six feet and look through your mind's eye At your aura, just see what shows up. Okay. And you might like to note down what you saw. After we're off the air and uh, you can use this particular exercise anytime you want to look at your aura you can do an energy scan you can see where energies are blocked you can see areas that you need to place in the light for clearing you can see areas perhaps that are in pain and you can sent healing light to that area. A good color for healing the physical body is orange. A good color to use for healing the mind is blue. And overall, I have found that visualizing golden light greatly reduces pain. And then when you just need really to feel the love of God, flood your aura with a tender pink. Sai Baba has said that we should send pink light to the planet because more than anything else, our planet needs the vibration of love. More than anything else, the people on the planet need love. More than anything else, we need love. (laughs) So let's flood the planet with that beautiful, soft, tender pink. I like to shower the planet with little tiny pink rose buds along with that pink light. You can wrap the planet in rainbows. I like to do that too. So learn to work with the inner learn to see and hear and sense with the inner senses because each of the physical senses has an inner corresponding manifestation so that we can learn to see inwardly actually better than we can see without. I leave that with you. So, we are God's purpose. The purpose of all of creation is to extend love and to create relationships whereby we can enjoy the giving and the receiving of love. That's the whole purpose. Excuse me. the whole purpose that we came into manifestation. God, finding itself alone with no one to love or to know the love of God, said, I am alone, let me become many. And in that, there was an extension of radiance, not a departure, We never left God, but God extended a ray, multiple rays, of the divine heart. And that's what we call the Christ, or the Son of God, or the Daughter of God, or the Child of God. We are extensions of God's own longing to love and be loved. And so the heart is so very sacred because it's the the first organ that develops. And everything else proceeds from the heart. The first organ to emerge from the heart is the tongue. So that tells you immediately your purpose. Your purpose is to be the heart of God and the spokesperson of God. And you are to speak God's heart, which is love for all creation. And so ideas leave not their source. And we are the idea to share love within the heart and mind of God. And so that is our purpose. That's why we are on earth why the divine breath breathed into us and created us as a living soul why the divine breath has endowed us with creativity and with an inherent longing for love and every single thing that we go for that we think that we want in the world and we go toward it to get something from it, what we really want is love. That's what we're seeking. That's what we're craving. That's what we're longing for. But very, very few people realize that they are the love that they seek because it's so interesting that here in this dimension we Love, we learn to love by extending that love to another person. So it's by giving love, actually, that we experience love. And it's wonderful when our love is reciprocated and returned. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. But we all are seeking that Love that is eternal, unconditional, forever, that never ends. And that is the love of our own self. And that's why when you become fully whole within yourself, when you become the Holy Spirit itself, you're not craving for love anymore. You're full, you're fulfilled. You don't need to reach out to have love. But you move into a state which is universal love. It sounds almost unbelievable to a person who hasn't experienced this yet. But actually you get to a state where you unconditionally love everyone with all your heart. There's no greater or lesser You just simply become that heart flame that encompasses and expands to include everyone. And when you reach that state that's called God, realization, or union with the divine, and you know that you are tapping into that state when love is all you feel, when that's your automatic response to all people and all things. So it stands to reason that if you want to become one with the divine, love is the way and really the only way. There are many pathways to God. And it is said that the very last chakra to fully open, I'm not talking about the heart, but the corresponding chakra in the crown chakra, the corresponding petals that we would equate with the divine heart in the crown chakra are the last to open. We, most of us, operate out of the emotional heart, which is mostly the solar plexus and the human gut feelings, let's say the solar plexus feelings of the emotional self. But only when you start to move into the higher states of divine awareness through the soul do you begin to experience real love. And to experience real love, I think, the heart has to be broken many, many, many times because we're going to seek for love in all the wrong places. (laughs) Really, there's no wrong places. They're just educational experiences. But we get our heart broken many, many, many times until we realize that we are the very sacred heart of God itself. We are God's heart. We are God's love extended into time and space and throughout creation and the cosmos. And along with that, love is wisdom. And wisdom comes only after much experience, many, many immersions into the dream field of time and space and becoming. But wisdom arises spontaneously from the heart. It's not a product of the mind or the intellect or learning. It's the wisdom of the heart. And so we manifest that golden pink flame of the divine until it takes over our whole being. We become one divine offering. And we are bestowing the divine love and wisdom as our very nature. Now that is our purpose, our overall highest divine purpose. And we're all in the process of being brought through the educational process of learning how to more skillfully maintain that extremely high vibration of unconditional love. And so, let's just take that as our little benchmark for now, and let's talk about living a life that's on purpose. Because if you don't have a purpose in life, you're going to be a pretty miserable human being. We've got to have something bigger than ourselves to live for. There's got to be something more than the video game, than the media, than the iPhone, than the television programs whatever, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than your spouse, more than your family. All of these things, there's got to be something more. And that's why sometimes you can have, I remember I was in that place one time when I was married to a wonderful man. I had my ideal job. I made a good salary. I had everything, everything. And I felt miserable inside. And where I felt miserable was that I had a love so powerful, pushing me from within to be expressed. And I had no place to express it. I had... I was fitting into a pattern, a job, an expectation, largely created around people and by people. But it wasn't my authentic self. And I didn't quite know how to get it out. I just knew that I had to or I was going to explode. I felt like I was going to explode. And that's why one day on my job I heard an inner voice that said stop the work you're doing and minister full time to the star seed. And you know when a divine voice speaks to you it's, it, it feels like it's so loud anyone could hear it but it's all within but you never doubt it. It's like you know that you know that that was the divine voice. And uh So I obeyed the divine voice. I went up and talked to my CEO. And I said, I've got to uh, do this. And uh, so he arranged so that I could have a... uh, whatever you call it when you... you, you, uh, Well, I won't go into any details because I don't even remember them. But he helped me to transition into the work that I knew I was being called to do in a divine sense. So sometimes we're called very dramatically to our purpose, or sometimes we're just so miserable that we absolutely have to end cycle in what we're doing and launch out, sometimes without having a clue where we're going or why, or we just have to to stop doing what we're doing and follow our heart. And uh, so that's what I did and uh, have been doing ever since. And it uh, has given me my life's purpose, which is really to help people connect, make a divine connection with themselves, with their own divine core essence, and manifest it in a purpose that fills their life with passion, with purpose, with joy, with a sense of fulfillment, Because when you're living on purpose, there's such a, you know, you lose all sight of yourself. Your little storyline, your little personal drama just vanishes because the purpose takes over and it becomes the main thing that you're doing. Now, when you're living for others to in some way serve them and meet their needs, That is the most fulfilling, absolute job you could possibly do. When you're living that way, it's like everything comes to you through grace. It's just like it says in the scripture when you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, all things are added unto you. And what is the kingdom of God but loving and serving? loving one another and cooperating and serving and flowing and participating and enjoying life, living and giving and sharing and dancing together, you know, so that it becomes such a beautiful, fulfilling life. And the first sign that you're starting to awaken beyond the ego is that that desire to serve. That's the impetus from your real self, your soul. And so when that begins to drive you, and you begin to live to give, live to serve, and it, 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 it becomes spontaneous because it brings immediate joy. You know the joy you feel when you, you've done something nice for someone? That. But multiplied. Think if you lived like that every day where you woke up and you said, okay, Lord, use me as your conduit to share love with someone today, to make their life a little brighter. Who can I serve today, Father? Take me there and use me as your conduit. And, you know, you begin to dedicate every day that way. You begin to awaken with the thought, "Lord." Where would you have me go today? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? Lead me, guide me. Be the goal between in every exchange I have with anyone today. Oh, my goodness, what a wonderful life. What a wonderful life. You never feel lonely. You never feel unhappy. You begin to feel such a sense of self-esteem. Because when you do good works, the payoff for you personally is your own self-approval. You begin to respect yourself. You begin to value yourself. You begin to love yourself. That's what it means to really love yourself, is to approve, to have your own self-approval. And you only have your self-approval when you're living true to yourself when you're doing good works, when you're living a life of service. We're not happy when we live little, isolated, selfish lives. We're just not. We're not happy when we're focused on our body and all the aches and pains and whatever. That's, that's part and parcel of having a body. But when we make our whole life about that, we're unhappy When we make our whole life about making money and having material things, we're not happy. That's not going to make you happy. You know, happiness with a new car, what, it lasts maybe, what, a month, two months? Happiness with anything is very fleeting, unless you're giving of yourself. When you are in a state of loving self-bestowal, you're like a radiant sun that gives light and warmth and love and comfort wherever you go. And you know what? You don't even have to open your mouth. You don't have to say a word. You just have to be in that place of self-bestowal, of self-giving. And it's it's not a mental thing where you think, oh, I'm going to give to this person or that. No, it's not that. It's the spontaneous outpouring of the soul. Your true self is not your body. It's not your mind. It's not your emotions. It's not your past. It's not your karma. It's not your ego. It's not your inner child. Your true self has never been touched by anything in this world and could never be touched anything in this world it is God it is one with God it's indistinguishable from God that's your true self and yet it has a unique pattern and coloring and form and geometric design just like a snowflake each snowflake is unique but they're all snow each soul is unique but they're all God Cows are many, milk is one. Souls are many, God is one. And so like that, we learn to live in a true purpose that doesn't begin and end with our birth and our departure from this body. But it is an ongoing state that only increases as we move through the divine realms beyond the material and psychic realms that we are familiar with, of polarity and duality. We transcend into the unified fields of the divine, the imperishable star realms, until eventually we become, in some cases, a star ourselves. A star, you might say, is a Christed one in cosmic terms. It is a being that has become so radiant that it manifests as the sun. Isn't that extraordinary? And Sai Baba said that the sun has 60 beings that are living on the sun. I was looking at one of the uh, photographs, the space photographs the other day, and they clearly show very, very enormous planet-sized UFOs in the sun and coming out of the sun. The other day they had like a cube that they photographed coming out of the sun. So the prophecy is that we're going to discover some amazing things about the sun in this century, this 21st century. And some amazing things about God. So NASA has already Long since been able to pick up the different melodies that each planet and each sun emits, and the overall divine word, the pranava, the om. You can hear the om emanating from the sun, according to NASA. And then you have the beautiful. Uh, Melodies of the spheres each planet has its own vibrational orchestration let's call it or refrain or melody Gustav Holst the, the composer composed the, the wonderful melodies for each of the 9 planets kind of like that so likewise each soul has a particular vibrational motif in terms of its sound the melody that your overall composite emanates. So you are a melodic refrain and the divine cosmic melody and a divine geometric pattern and a divine quality of energy and consciousness and light that makes you. Irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. Don't try to be anyone else. Just be you. Just be you. Just be you. There's nothing else to be done here. And be a happy you because your natural state is happy and blissful. And peaceful and contented. So only the monkey mind makes us seem like we're discontented, that we don't we don't like certain things, and we want this and we don't want that. That's monkey mind itis <laughs> where the monkey mind jumps around like a mad monkey from branch to branch on the tree of desire. But when you realize that what you really are seeking can be found only in deep immersion in your true self. And to track that true self, I think you have to go through your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts that keep recurring. I think you have to go into those areas that keep presenting to you. Why are they presenting? Because they want your scrutiny. They want your attention. And when you look at something very closely, God looks through your eyes as your inner light and begins to pierce into the truth of whatever you're looking at. So that's why you put your attention on what's trying to get your attention. And that's why it's a simple process of being present with who you are, where you are this moment, and using that as your portal to go deeper, to go into and track the source of the thought, track the source of the feeling, track the source of the pain, whatever it is, confront and penetrate And when you get past all the barriers to love, you'll find the love and the bliss of God that you've been seeking in every relationship you've ever had. So we are armored and defended against the truth by the ego. And the ego is a form of fear. What is the ego fear? It fears rejection. And it's always going to get rejected because we're not looking for ego love. We're looking for divine love, true love. So, yeah, the ego has a great deal of armor and defenses against the truth of love. So you have to go past the armor, past the the barricades that we have surrounded ourselves with, all of the walls and armoring to to protect that which needs no protection. You are love. You are eternal love. You are pure, immortal love. And nothing in the dream here has affected what God has made you to be forever. So you don't have to be afraid of truth. You just need to remove the walls and the barricades and the armoring that the ego has convinced you you need, which you don't. Truth needs no protection and no defense. And the truth of you is that you are love. Now, when you release that love by forgetting yourself, you know, unhappy people are self focused people and self focused not in a good way. We're not talking about self inquiry in the deeper sense here. We're talking about people who make a career out of their problems. And I think that's probably most of us at some point in our <laughs> development. Um but we're, we're learning to live in what's called a state of soul transcendence where you move your spiritual inner awareness to a higher place, a higher viewpoint. Call it an eagle-eye view or a, uh, a view from the balcony. But you learn how to be the observer, and you begin to back off from that personality person in the 3D world, and you begin to look from a higher perspective. That's called soul transcendence. And when you're able to live in that state and at the same time operate very effectively in the physical world, you can maintain your center and be happy all the time. You may not have happy circumstances going on, but the form of happiness I'm speaking of is actually better described in Sanskrit. It's called santosha. Santosha is a state of inner Inner, uh, it's it's a combination of, of of contentment and inner peace and an abiding sense of inner joy, regardless of what's happening on the physical outer world. It's that little part of you that nothing can touch, and it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful state to be in. So we're looking for santosha to be in that state. And, uh, I, you know, I've been in that state for many, 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 many years now. And I've had a very challenging life, very challenging. I remember an uh, astrologer said one time, it's a good thing you're spiritual or you would have never survived the karma you've worked through in this life. That's probably true, but I've had that Santosha as uh, as the place that I live from, so I don't pay a whole heck of a lot of attention to the outer world. I live in that balcony, that higher state of soul transcendence. Uh, I would say ninety nine percent of the time now, but it's an acquired ability. And you keep practicing and practicing and practicing until you learn the keys to stay in that state. And one of the ones is the one that I gave you when we started the seminar tonight, and that's how to clear yourself. Many people come to me, and I realize after a while they don't know how to clear themselves. They allow the grievances of one day and the problems of one day to follow them day after day, week after week, month after month, and they're not operating from a clear state. There's no reason why you can't be in a clear-centered state all the time. But you have to ask. You see, the Holy Spirit will never violate your consciousness. It will never come in and invade Even the ego, (laughs) you know, even the false self doing its, you know, its worst best, um, that's allowed to go on. As long as you allow it to go on, it's allowed to go on. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in and fix stuff. It only comes in when you invite it in and when your intention is toward the things of God and not toward the things of the ego. So when you're ready to be spirit-led and spirit-filled, the Holy Spirit will definitely come in. So what you do is you ask whenever you're feeling gnarly, wonky, out of sorts, irritated, upset, angry, whatever, whenever you're not completely centered in that santosha, that inner joy and Contentment. You take a deep breath, you relax, and you ask the Holy Spirit to come in and to fill you and clear you of any negativity, any bad attitude, any bad feelings, any grievance, any energies that you don't have to carry anymore. And then you take a deep breath again and you breathe in God and you breathe out love and you just let all of the energies ride out and dissolve back into the nothingness because there's no truth and no truth-backing negativity. It is entirely a false feeling. It's a false manifestation Because, you see, love has no opposite. And nothing unreal exists. And God created only that which is real, which is based on love. So you just recognize that when you're not yourself, you don't have to carry that negative energy. Ask that it be cleared. Your grace, just let it dissolve. And use the breath because that's God's breath in you. That's the holy breath of God that made you a living soul. So breath is God. Breathe in God. Breathe out love. God is love. And when you do that, you will find that there's a big shift in your energy. And then you just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. When you don't feel right, why don't you stop right then and there and say, God, I don't like this feeling. I don't want to dislike this person. I don't want to say bad words. Please clear me. Take these bad feelings and give me your love. I do that frequently. You know, there was somebody that I absolutely couldn't stand one time. And lo and behold, that person ended up moving into the same uh, apartment house where I was living. And we would be sharing a bathroom. We would be like in each other's face, literally. And I said, I don't want to feel anything but love for anyone. You have to take these bad feelings out of me. I only want love. I said that prayer once. It was like a miracle. When that person moved in, I felt such a love for that person, I can't even begin to describe it. I met them without an iota of any other feeling but love. And I embraced that person. And we had a wonderful relationship person didn't live very long in the apartment, but while that person was there, there was just love and the sharing of love between us. And so that's what I'm talking about. You can ask to have negative feelings replaced by truth, and you ask the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, to do that for you, and that's its job. So, don't just settle for bad feelings and and depressions and moods and bad attitudes. Get rid of them instantly. Don't even let the sun shine, uh, the sun go down, or the sun rise on a grievance. Your grievances actually hide the light of the world that you are. So, do not harbor even a day of grievance, immediately ask to have it cleared and asked to be filled with the love of God. I promise you, when you do that, it is done exactly as you ask. And it's not of you. It's the Holy Spirit coming in at your invitation to set you aright with God, with your God self. The Holy Spirit sets you right with your God self. And then you have a feeling of happiness and self-approval and self-respect. And all of your life begins to align with the purpose that you're here to fulfill, which is to be the extension of the love and the wisdom of God. So I like to listen to the um, Dalai Lama. He, He is a wonderful I think he's the greatest soul on the planet today. Frankly, I just I just love to listen to his wisdom. And uh, he said something so marvelous. He was speaking to a group of youth. These were uh, largely Muslim youth, and they um, represented all different Asian countries. There was one from North Korea. There was uh, well, from every every Asian country actually was represented in that room. And there was only one Tibetan, interestingly enough, and only two Buddhists. All the rest were um, largely Muslim. And um, they were asking various questions about, you know, why the world is the way it is and what they can do about it. And the Dalai Lama said that the materialistic education that is emphasized the material world has created the materialistic worldview and society that we are now living in, and there's been no training, he said, in how to direct the mind, how to focus the attention, and deeply penetrate and examine. So we have a very superficial kind of uh, orientation to life that is mainly focused upon how to to uh, uh, make money, get a job, you know, all of that, and uh, it leads to a very uh, empty, and uh, unhappy person. He said there's been no training in human values, no training in compassion or kindness or respect for others and their beliefs. There's been no training in how to manage one's emotions, resolve conflict, redirect anger from fighting to dialogue. And therefore, education, first of all, must be improved. Meanwhile, you youth need to study the great teachings of India and educate your mind spiritually. These are ancient teachings that go back at least 3,000 years, that have all of the wisdom of who you are as a spiritual being, as well as how to operate in the world using the spiritual principles, and you have to study that and Make it, your pro- make it your business to fill in where education has left off. You're going to have to do your own study of the eternal truth. And you need to learn to calm and center yourself with daily meditation. Now, you Muslim youth, he said, need to work to bring harmony and mutual understanding between the Shia and the Sunni sects of Islam. They're killing each other over minor differences in scriptural interpretations. That must stop. He said to create national and international conferences for Muslims of all, both of those sects, so they can meet and learn to understand each other and communicate with each other. And in fact, at the time he was speaking, they had already. Um, uh, they were already in process of creating a national and an international conference for Muslim youth, and and all Muslims, actually, but primarily the youth. And uh, so that was what he advised, and he said the same needs to be done between the Jews and the Palestinians. It's the youth that must lead the way from fighting and fearing to dialoguing and understanding. And already there are groups uh, within Israel that are doing that. So that was his recommendation. He also said that this uh, beginning to, to communicate was starting now between North and South Korea, and that it would gradually expand to Japan and elsewhere. That we are living in a world that it's no longer uh, any place for dictatorship or for exclusive nationalism because we're all connected as as nations. We're all interconnected and interdependent. And, therefore, we absolutely have to begin to think globally and not just nationalistically. We all must work together and cooperate to globally ensure the well-being of everyone, and especially we must address global warming. The whole planet, all nations, have to be addressing global warming. Very important, the Dalai Lama said. In addressing global fear and paranoia, he suggested a plan with a definite period of time. He gave, like, for example, three years in which globally we put an end to all nuclear weaponry. Then he said, after that, it's important to again draft a plan with a target date to end all warfare. Now, was reminded by Lord Maitreya, uh, who also said that we must make warfare illegal throughout the world, as it is no longer an option. We have enough atom bombs right now to destroy the world, I think he said, 25 times over. Um, You know, it's just no longer an option. Now, Lord Maitreya said that every nation needs to make as a top priority the housing, feeding, educating, and medical provision of all its citizens as Its foremost duty. And uh, he suggested it to be free. (laughs) That's what Saibaba's been doing, and what uh, he has been encouraging is to begin to provide these things as a duty of the leadership of any given country. That's their dharma. In ancient times, it was a great disgrace. If a, king, uh, if a king, if a king, if the people under a king were in want of anything, it was a disgrace on the king. And to save his own good name, he had to take care of his people. Of course, we're living in the Kali Yuga now where everything is just kind of cattywampus. But we're in, in the end of the Kali Yuga where we're beginning to move now into the, the Satya Yuga, the Golden Age. And we're not going to have money in the golden age. We're not going to have commerce and money. We're going to return to the golden age when they didn't have any of those things. And they, they lived in a beautiful world in which everyone created what they loved to create and shared what they created. And there was exchanging and celebrating. Do you realize that these great, 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 beautiful uh, civilizations, ancient civilizations, were not created out of money? How did they do that? They came together and they shared gifts and resources and abilities and they built things to be shared. That's how we live on Venus. We don't have any commerce. We don't have any money, banking system, all that nonsense. We create everything that is beautiful and lovely and to be shared. We make a beautiful house and then we leave it for the next person to live in when we want to live in another place like that. So that's what we're moving towards. We're moving out of this, this commercializing everything, which Lord Maitreya said. Commercialization, he said, is more dangerous than an atom bomb. And it's all based on greed. And that was another thing Saibhava said was that the earthquakes and the things that we're experiencing are created largely by man's greed. For example, there was a really bad earthquake in an area, and Saibaba said it was caused by mining for gold. They were mining for gold in that area, and uh, it caused this ginormous earthquake. We've heard of the earthquakes that have been started by fracking. And the, uh, from drilling, we're having all these big sinkholes and all the pollution and everything. When you realize that the Venusian scientist, Nikola Tesla, came onto the planet with over 5,000 extraordinary inventions, and because of greed of Westinghouse and Edison and a few others, we don't have free energy today. They wanted him to fail because they wanted you to pay for electricity. And so here we are paying for electricity. We, we didn't have to pay for electricity. It was the greed of these people wanting to commercialize and make money uh, by charging you for what should have been easily supplied by Nikola Tesla's simple little rods that fit in the ground. You know, we still have that ability now. So we absolutely must adopt total free energy worldwide which many nations are doing now, by the way, and put an end to all mining, drilling, fracking for fossil fuel. It's not necessary. You can tap the energies in the atmosphere and the energies in the earth and both supply all of the energy that you need for electricity, warmth, and all of that. The community I happen to live in, it's mandatory if you have a home here that you have to, uh, if you buy a home or create a home here, build a home, you have to put in solar um, panels. You have to have solar heating. And we have whole acres of nothing but wind, wind uh, generators. So more and more there are areas that are beginning to um, prioritize clean energy and fossil fuel energy and Um, becoming more and more eco-savvy, and ecology-preserving. And that's very, very important for us to do. So these are the recommendations for the youth to, to tuck in and to be part of the revision of these old systems, which are based on greed and the selfishness of the few at the expense of the many, and that has to end because that is a non-sustainable approach to life that's part of the old paradigm. So part of the old paradigm is money-based, profit-based, competition-based, uh, usury-based because there's always people that then become the subservience to this uh, juggernaut of a system that destroys. It, 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 it's the end of every civilization um, goes through this kind of a, a uh, crisis of values, I would say. And um, all of these civilizations, with the exception of Sanatana Dharma, the, the ancient Vedic system, the ancient Indian system, His culture is the only one that hasn't been completely destroyed. That's why the Dalai Lama suggested that the youth go back to these scriptures, uh, these teachings that have a history going back 3,000 years from a culture that is the only one that is still existent and has not been destroyed on the planet. All the other ones collapsed, you know. So... It's very important that the youth began to create the new systems. I know when I came to Sai Baba, I was one of those youth, and he gave me these kind of talks that the Dalai Lama gave to these young people in Dharmasala. But um, I was a housewife, I had a, a young daughter, and I was just starting to be a teacher. In what's called the esoteric science, uh, esotericism, I guess you'd call it, of the Alice Bailey, Blavatsky, and Agni Yoga teachings—very intellectual stuff—but good, you know. It, 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 it was a foundation um, for what now I'm speaking about, you know, on the radio shows, and what now we are seeing implemented more and more in society. But it um, at the time, was rather dry, and you saw a lot of people that became very mentally log jammed with all of these concepts, but they still were not living out of the loving, compassionate heart so too much of that study makes you dry and and stultifies the the spontaneity and the warmth and the the natural joy of the soul when it isn't encumbered by all of that heavy, heavy intellectualism. And so fortunately, uh, Sai Baba came and got me before I got too log-jammed into that and um, put me in an organization, the Movement of Spiritual Inner Awareness, under a teacher, John Roger, which taught me how to live in the world as a loving person as a normal person, not a person that had to live in an ashram or off in a cave or uh, had to be a vegetarian or had to do this or had to do that. He taught me that, that life is, is all divine and it's all lovable. And his teachings were so simple and so uncomplicated and so pure and so appropriate for a Western American person. Uh, like myself. And uh, so that was what Sai Baba did. He showed me that through John Roger and through my studies with him, um, that life is to be enjoyed and life is divine. And be the living love. Be the living love. Be the extension of God's love in this world. And... uh, The right approach to anyone and anything at any time is the loving approach. So when you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say, just be the living love. Be the living love in that situation. Be the silent listener with the open heart in that situation. Be the presence of the Beloved in that situation. And just hold the light. Sometimes there's not much you can do, but be the light and be the loving as a vibration in that situation. And so, I'm so very grateful for the path that I've been led to find my purpose. I had thought my purpose was to live in an ashram and spend all my days in meditation and trying to pretzel myself into a culture that really didn't fit my spontaneous Californian American nature. And I'm so happy that Sai Baba redirected me to come back to America and to study with this wonderful, wonderful master teacher and to be part of this wonderful organization, the Movement of Spiritual Inner Awareness also called MSIA, which is an acronym for Messiah. And when we told Sai Baba that, he said, Hmm, Sai, uh. And John Rogers said, but it's spelled differently, Baba. And Baba said, mere detail, only love, only love. And it was so Beautiful. Sometimes we we get the mistaken notion we have to fit ourselves into some foreign way of living and being and acting that goes against our nature. You you know, we're not meant to fit ourselves into a spiritual path. We're meant to adapt, adapt our, our path to suit our nature. And then, you see, there's harmony. There's not an inter-resistance or fighting. You know, when you try to force yourself to do something that's not your natural nature, it's very hard. That's why, you know, it's nice in the Bhagavad Gita, every chapter gives you a different approach to God so that you can find your way And there's many, many ways that Bhagavad Gita says if this doesn't work, if you can't do this, then do this. If you can't do that, then do this. If you can't do any of it, then at least don't get in the way of people who are doing that. But there's choices, choices, choices. So our life is meant to be santosha. It's meant to be full of contentment and peace and joy and happiness and fulfillment and a sense of purpose. Sense of purpose. And your purpose is simply to be yourself the version of love, the version of wisdom, the flavor that is unique to you, the flavor of God that is unique to your nature. And be that. And be happy. God's will for you is perfect happiness and peace. That's a quote from The Course in Miracles. Perfect happiness and peace. How many have that in this world? A lot of people don't know that it's available. So those of us that are teachers and parents and, and, and work with youth, we have to let them know that there's a purpose much greater and the dog-eat-dog of commercialism and competition and material acquisitions. We have to fill in where the materialistic uh, lack of values in our current so- uh, society has left such a group of uh, very, very um, unhappy people and youth that don't have a sense of purpose. And uh, we need to be very vocal out there to help them wherever we possibly can to awaken to the divine that they truly are and the higher purpose that we're all here to serve. So let's go out chanting um, I Hu. And as we do, let's visualize pink light going out to all of the planet, all of the people, and extend it just as far as we can throughout the cosmos, that all beings in all the worlds may be happy, and may find that divine love that is the purpose that we're all here to fulfill. Deep breath. Ana. Thanks and grace to all beings in all the worlds namaste